0: Welcome to the Joe Rest Podcast, episode 12, recorded on the 10th of June, 2015. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Isaac. Hello. I guess that was my cue to say hi. So, Yep. <laughs> so, uh, like, you know, uh, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Now
1: that I'm trying to watch my Valley High speak of, like, you know, like, like, you know. So hopefully on this podcast, I won't say as much or make you do about four hours of editing to get all that out. Uh, here's hoping. Exactly.
0: So since we last spoke about three weeks ago, you have rejoined Twitter. Yeah, it has been a while since we've talked,
1: at least like physically, besides the brash emails I send to you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I joined Twitter, Isaac Carter at Stupid Coder, and it's back to the Twitter fun. I, it's funny because the next day after I literally joined Twitter, there was like a bus driver in the middle of DC just peeing in the street, and I was just watching him because I was like half awake. I kind of walked up on him too. So I had to tweet it. I was like, "What do you know?" So, yeah, I saw that. That was the first tweet that you said. Well, I heard the sound, and I like, I was like, I looked over, like, what is this sound? And there's just this fat, overweight dude just peeing in like in the middle of the road, looking at me, like, you want to make out? Like, <laughs> oh man, I'm just like barely awake. Like, just I just stared way too long at him, and I was like, okay, I need to go to work. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> but it traumatized the rest of my day at work. So, uh, imagine it would do. So, you've also been playing with the Raspberry Pi, then yeah um, I guess since we
1: last talked, I bought one, and I got the model two B or b two It's not the plus, but it does the job, and since then, I've been like addicted to the thing it's It's a lot smaller than I anticipated getting it, which is good and the first thing I did was I put open Elect on there, and that worked out really well. And that kind of, I like the pie because it's good experimentation for what I could do with my other desktop. It's just kind of sitting there, not doing too much. So I put OpenElec is a pre-configured version of Kodi, which is used to be XBMC. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty good. It worked, it worked out really well. But then I realized I couldn't get everything I wanted with Kodi because it wasn't really Kodi, you know. So then I just basically put Kodi on my Ubuntu Mate machine. I'm often running now. So if you, if you are like me and your moral compass, you don't have one when it comes to media then cody is awesome
0: because you found all sorts of streams didn't you live streams of hbo
1: and stuff oh yes sir i found a bunch it's uh the live tv stuff's a little bit more uh not think of the right word for this illegal but anyway it's a uh, more of a fight you know because they're always changing like these uh ips and whatnot but the video add-ons and the music add-ons are legit and you can get those i want to say legit legit but they're like once you add them on you're good to go
0: so the way i see it with streaming is it If you're downloading something and you're actually downloading it to keep, then that is illegal and that's kind of copyright issues. But if you're streaming it, then it's not your problem. It's the person who owns the server who is at fault, surely. Because, I mean, that's one thing with torrents. Because you're downloading and uploading at the same time because of seeding and stuff, you are kind of culpable and they can take you to court. But I'm pretty sure that no one's ever been busted for streaming Legal stuff because it, they only want to go after the person hosting the server rather than the people streaming it to their TV or whatever.
1: I would say you're right, but I know if the uh, ISPs would ever say that's totally, excuse me, that's totally illegal and not right. But I definitely have ditched Netflix for uh, there's an add on called Genesis on there that's amazing, flat amazing. And um, there's a few other add ons I've really enjoyed, but it's working out pretty well and it's definitely streaming a lot faster than on the Pi. Well, of course it would, but that's. So now I've taken my Pi and last night I was trying to like hook up my external hard drive to it and then just SSH into it just to have like a server, you know, it will, but I'm running into problems with the Pi can't power the external hard drive. So I guess I got to buy a USB
0: power hub or something and see if that works. Yeah, you got to get a powered hub. Oh, by the way, you said you got a B and not B plus. It is quite confusing because first there was the model B, then they brought out the B plus and now they've got the Raspberry Pi 2 Model B, which is much better than the original B+. plus. So you have got the best one you can get by the sounds of things.
1: Oh, sweet. It was only like uh, $45 on uh, Amazon, and it's got the uh, what was it HDMI, four USBs, Ethernet, SD card. You know, it's a micro SD card, too. And it yeah, I like it. I got a little plastic case that came with it, and I've got more enough cords lying around that it wasn't hard to hook up everything. So...
0: Yeah, yeah, I enjoy playing with mine. It's it's good because it's kind of, if you mess it up, you just reflash the uh, SD card and you don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, it's good experimentation. I, but I can already feel that robotics is coming my way because after listening to, well, Rob's the same way on Mintcast. He's starting to play with robotics. And it's, yeah. I've discovered that with the Pi, the real power is those uh, GPIOs that that's where the real power of it comes from so i wish i didn't live in an apartment because i'd be cutting into these walls in a heartbeat
0: hooking up something (laughs) Uh, well i ordered a screen from china Uh, i've ordered it twice now from two different sellers it's about four or five quid did you get that in yet no what happened the first time i bought it for about four pounds 70 odd and it's just a tiny little kind of three point something inch resistive touchscreen so not a very good one and it plugs straight into the gpio pins so you can, you can have HDMI out as well. And so you can basically have a, a standalone unit if you've got a battery pack like I've got. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, yeah, this sounds pretty cool. And they're about 20 or 30 quid if you buy them from a UK seller, but I found them from China or Hong Kong, or whatever for about, well, under five pounds. And I just, I said to myself and, uh, you know, I, I said to you, like, how is that possible for them to even send it for that price? <laughs> well it turns out it was too good to be true because the first one said oh we had a quality issue and we can't find one and so they just refunded me and then i found another person and they said it was dispatched and it was uh, all good and i was expecting it at the earliest some point this week realistically probably next week and then today i woke up to an email saying that it was rejected by the post office and it was all in like pigeon english you know written by a Chinese person. Probably through Google Translate or something. So I don't know. They said like I will refund you, and I said, well, no, send it again. And I haven't heard anything back. So here is hoping that I will eventually get it. But I, I don't know. It seems that it is too good to be true to get a touchscreen, albeit a resistive one, for four pounds. So, yeah. oh, hopefully it'll come in.
1: Just get you a TV. Quit goofing off. <laughs> don't you? You have one, don't you?
0: I do have. That's right. Yeah, a, a, a screen which doesn't. It, well, it's technically...
1: It's, it's all you need. I mean, you don't need a cable box. You just hook that up, put Open Elect on there, and your wife will be happy that you have, she have just have to hear you or look at you and you watch TV. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> what else have you been up to, man? I think you were on the Ubuntu podcast. I listened to the whole four sentences you had to say. It was really good. <laughs> I was like, man, he knows exactly what to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny that this week has been... Uh, well, last week, actually it's been this big drama with the Ubuntu and Kubuntu thing. I don't want to go into it too much here. I've talked about it to death on other shows. Yeah. We'll just leave that
1: fire. Cause I, <laughs> I, I could easily rant on that too long as well. So we'll just leave that fire where it sits. <laughs> All right, go on then quickly. Well, I put some comments down to Luddites, uh, email or the show. And some people slammed me for my comments. So, I mean, to each their own, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, uh, I just feel like, uh, K- canonical is turning into Oracle. You know, they're maybe not as evil as Oracle for sure. But, uh, your interview with Riddell was exactly what I thought he would say. He just doesn't know what's going on, and yet Canonical's kind of got. I don't. I don't know. It's a very. It's very weird because when I listened to the podcast, the Ubuntu one you were on, uh, Popey had some. You know, he had served on that committee, and he had some just you know great points that I hadn't really thought about. And then hearing Riddell talk, it was kind of like, okay, I understand what he's saying, but I don't know. I, I'm afraid Linux is not so much Ubuntu or Kubuntu. I'm afraid Linux is becoming too. Uh. PR, to HR-ish, you know, with this code of conduct, and suddenly everyone's trying to be correct with each other, and nothing wrong with that, but I just don't, I don't know. It's, it's, weird things are starting to happen, now that Ubuntu's kind of, like, taking the forefront and pushing, like, more mainstream concepts, or wanting to be more mainstream, weird things are starting to take place, so, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's all going a bit corporate, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and I hate that, like, a lot, and I think that's what why we use
0: Linux, you know, so... Yeah. It's not corporate. So yeah, I went on that Ubuntu podcast and we talked a bit about that there and we recorded another one that's going to come out in a couple of days, I think where I hardly said anything. I spoke a little bit about Raspberry Pi at the beginning and then I had to read a bit of feedback out at the end. But the middle of the show, the, like, the main meat of the show was an interview that had already pre-recorded that without me. So I was just kind of filling in for that. But hopefully I can go back on there. But it depends. I don't know. I asked Jonathan Riddle some pretty um, interesting questions and got him to say some quite good stuff. But that was on the, the latest Lennox Loddites. And I, I mentioned it on the show that I recorded it in the middle of the night. But man, it was uh, quite the technical challenge because. I'd been kind of talking to him on Twitter and trying to arrange this interview for a couple of days, and then he kind of says, all right, at some point in the next couple of hours would be good, but this is on Saturday night, well, early Sunday morning, actually. So picture this, Saturday evening, I go out with my friend, drinking and watching metal bands, as I often do at the weekend, get pretty hammered, as you'd expect, come home Actually, I was pretty tired, and so I thought, mm, actually, if I leave straight after the final band finishes, I can just get the train, and it only takes about half an hour to get back. So, I thought, yeah, I'll do that. And then uh, I got home, I was settling down, I was going to watch something. I, I don't know, I was going to find something on iPlayer or whatever to watch. And then I got this tweet saying, "Oh yeah, some point in the next couple of hours." And I was like, "Ah oh, man, I don't really want to try and arrange it for tomorrow because I know he's in America at the moment, and it might get..." long and you know i want to just get this interview done but my wife's asleep i've got a tiny flat there's no way i can do it here so i thought mm, right well i'll have to go outside there's kind of this park thing uh it's kind of near a main road so you probably heard some of that traffic while i was asking questions no it sounded uh really good actually i mean it sounded more like uh interference on his end you know it was coming a little staticky yeah his end wasn't perfect and there was people kind of talking and stuff
1: i thought the interview was really uh was really good, so uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to him because I think a lot of us were kind of wondering his side of the story.
0: So I got out there to do it, and um, I was kind of plugging my phone into my portable recorder thing, and for some reason the audio wouldn't work properly. My microphone just wouldn't work on the on the phone if I had uh, the the kind of headphones jack plugged in, and so I was just like, oh, "What am I going to do?" So I had to sneak back into my flat without waking my wife up, get my tablet. Take that back out to the park, and uh, I had to use uh, Wi-Fi tethering on my phone to kind of for the network, like as as the router. Talk to him on the tablet, and then try and record it at the same time. It was it was a real technical challenge. People just don't understand the the hoops you jump through for us. Yeah, and bear in mind this uh, this is a two thirty ish when I started to talk to him, so between about two thirty and three, and then. I kind of ended up not going to sleep till about five or five thirty, And I planned to go to sleep at about one that was, you know, and so I was just, I've just been tired ever since really. So you can use that excuse whenever Shuttleworth
1: shows up. It's like, why are you asking all his personal questions? Like oh, I was tired. <laughs> and I, I don't know what I was saying.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I was cool. It worked out in the end. We ended up doing a two and a half hour Linux Luddites and, uh, I had a bit of a rant in the middle at someone who just criticized us. (laughs) (laughs) That was really
1: good. I was sitting there working with us too and like, whoa, Joe. (laughs) But it was, it was well-spoken and uh, I agree with everybody else's comments. I don't care how long the show runs on. I enjoy it. And it's just called pause the
0: show. It's not that hard to comprehend if it's too long for you. So revisit it. So whatever. Yeah. We've had loads of positive feedback over the last couple of days, which is cool. A bit of um, technical criticism which I can't be bothered to go into, but hopefully I can fix that. But otherwise, it's been um, pretty cool. And download numbers are looking very healthy for that episode. So Yeah,
1: welcome to the Joe Ress rant show. This is (laughs) getting back at everyone who
0: comments negatively on Luddites. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. Well, we've got quite a few things to talk about, so let's get on with it. So we've got a few stories that kind of lump together all about crypto stuff, encryption, that sort of thing. The first one being that in Australia, it could potentially be illegal to teach encryption. Yeah. So
1: um, I found this on Slashdot. So there's a new law apparently passed in Australia that's called the uh, Defense Trade Controls Act. And uh, on that, they have a list of, uh, it's called like the Defense and Strategic Goods List. And there's just basically things that, you know, uh, I'm never sure to really worry it would be illegal considering the welfare and safety of Australia as a whole. So, first off, too, this author who wrote this is, like, mathematician, computer scientist guy. And the first list is, of course, things you recognize, like military weapons that you understand. Yeah, of course, they're going to be on that, you know, on this document, on this act. But the second list is this uh, stuff considered uh, dual-use list of goods. And that's where the more questionable stuff kind of falls into play. And the author kind of goes more in-depth into this, considering, like, the teaching of encryption technically falls into this because uh, I took down some notes on this. Like um, I think the bit level of encryption they're talking about on there is so weak that it's ridiculous. So basically any encryption you might be teaching or doing on the side is definitely going to fall into the realm of this is now illegal or now in our hands. And it kind of reminds me a lot of the Patriot Act we had here in America after 9-11 where it was just a lump sum of anything can be considered terrorism and if you fall into that lump sum or they can use that to to like apply at will whatever they want to to your to you, your well being, your house, your stuff, any of that nature. So but he kind of goes further into that concept of teaching, you know, should the is the teaching of encryption illegal or not?
0: Well it's ridiculous. How can teaching something like encryption be illegal? I think that it's part of a broader point. And this kind of ties into uh, the other couple of stories about encryption And one of those is that there's a couple of companies in the UK who are planning to leave because of the Snoopers Charter. And the the other one is that about the encryption backdoors in America and how your government there wants to kind of put that into law. But for me, it's all a distraction because these backdoors pretty much exist anyway, at least in anything proprietary or in anything that a company has a say in. I mean, if you're talking about GPG, probably not. But even if there's not a backdoor, the government has the resources to brute force it anyway, this encryption. And people talk about it would take a billion computers, a billion years, but I'm not having that. If you've got sufficient ASICs effectively to do that, and the, the government probably have. And even if they don't, they can store that data and decrypt it down the line when computing power has got further or when they've found bugs in the code or whatever. And I just think that this is all kind of a distraction, really. As I said, that that trying to kind of kick up a stink about it so that then we can overturn that and then kind of go back to bed and think, oh, well, that's fine. We, We managed to defeat the Snoopers charter or we managed to, make it so they they aren't backdoors in services like from google or facebook or whatever but the reality is that anything that you do or say on the internet can be snooped on by the powers that be i reckon and i don't know call me tinfoil hat and we'll get back to that later but that's just the way i feel about it i just i don't think that they really are gonna Criminalize the teaching of encryption. I think it, it's all just kind of scare stories, really, to um, to kick up a stink about it.
1: Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. I, here recently, we uh, made it illegal for what the NSA was doing. But I told a buddy, I, I was like, all this really does now is basically the NSA is like, okay, thank you. We're just going to do this illegally since you didn't know we did it legally in the first place, unless we asked. So it's not like they really change. They're going to change anything. But I I don't know what the encrypt. I don't see encryption. This is becoming a real hot topic, honestly. I feel like if right now, if we were to start just Googling encryption heavily, I feel like you're for sure going to be on a watch list. I don't know why I feel like that way. I just It's becoming a more hot topic. Because here in America, we got the issue of uh, Google and Apple now are going to make their phones so heavily encrypted that you can't... You know, you're basically law enforcement, can't get a phone and do anything with it because it's going to be
0: encrypted. Yeah, but that's complete rubbish because it's this proprietary software on those phones from Apple and Google. So if the law enforcement agencies g- want to get those keys or, you know, get the back doors from Google and Apple, then they're going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, I guess I think the thing that's going on with that is Google and Apple aren't, you're not able, even if you retain a record, it's not like they're able to crack it. You know, I guess maybe it's so random that they're just, that's what they're saying is like, Hey, we've made it so encrypted that even we can't do it once it's, once it's encrypted, that's all she wrote. Like, we don't have a key in-house. We don't have anything in-house. We've made it so we had kind of thrown our hands in the air, so to speak.
0: Yeah, well, of course they're going to say that, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Yeah, That's a good point. I don't. yeah. I,
1: that right there, I have no clue whether it's true or not. Here's a question. When I was writing up notes for this story and reading it over, let's say for the sake of argument that I created, I created an encryption algorithm that was so good that no one could crack it. And... If I made that open source, you know, I mean, and I started teaching that to people, not even if I made it open source, but if I started teaching this to people, I'm really sure I'm going to get told by a few governments to stop doing this because no one's able to watch anything.
0: Possibly. I don't know. I mean, if you, in theory, did that, maybe you would get blokes in dark suits. I think, I, I really glasses. think you would.
1: I think that's the new, as 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 tech is moving forward, which it always is, I feel like encryption is becoming the bigger the bigger arena of like, issues not just for the government but i just think that encryption is becoming something that honestly will be illegal in the future to be teaching like you're not allowed to teach this concept of how to hide messages as we become more technical and wired in i think this what were these stories what's funny is is on our google doc we share we started out with just the australian law you know talked about and then here come the you you posted the one about the snoopers charter and then i posted one about like the tech talks they're going on here more heavily and it's just suddenly I looked at our Google Doc and I was like, we well, are talking about the same concept nonstop now. And this isn't like the first time. It's just always becoming, well, it's becoming more of an issue. Look at Tor, for example. There was like, you know, snow released dogmas, The NSA hated Tor. And they were just doing everything they could to crack it. And whether or not they did, who knows? I'm sure they did. Because suddenly now it seems like every Tor server you hear about gets busted up or something like that is going on. Or that's a good way to be watched is start hosting your own Tor stuff. Yeah. But I just think that this is becoming definitely a hotter button issue that not everyone is going to realize is a big deal. They're just, oh well, I don't do anything illegal, you know, no biggie. But I was going to say to you, I want to like run a test to, for like us. Now that I me and you email, you know, not constantly, but every now and then, we should start encrypting our emails just to see if we can get to the groove of doing that.
0: I don't know it's just too much hassle to do that. I mean, I could do it easily on one laptop, but. I email you from all sorts of machines, like both my laptops, tablet, phone, desktop computer. And to to get encryption to work, it would mean I, I wouldn't be able to read your emails instantly if I'm out and about. I mean, I could set it up on my phone, but it's, it's very tricky. I've never found an easy way to do it so that I can have encrypted email with people on every device.
1: That's also going into, uh, I sent... Uh... You guys on Luddites, a couple of articles that that were posted in the Washington Post just talking about how the internet got created and how encryption and security got kind of tossed to the wayside because they couldn't come up with an easy way for it. But now looking back on it, the guys that made it are so just kicking themselves because they didn't realize it was going to become this bad. I haven't really looked too much into encrypting emails. I'll definitely start looking more into it. I just... I, I just I want to start learning encryption. That's really what's coming down to. I feel like this is becoming a subject that's going to become more troublesome to Google and look at. And God knows what Google is going to direct me to look at, you know, or what the NSA is telling them to redirect search sites. to. Buy. If anyone's
0: Googling encryption, you send them this way, you know, do not let them go beyond this, this search. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you need to start searching some Tor hidden sites and, you know, use the Tor hidden services to, to find out some real information then if you don't trust what you get from Google.
1: Well, I started looking to a book talking about the whole uh, filter bubble and like, you know, you might think that, you know, you're able to search whatever, but in reality, you're only searching what Google is letting you search. Yeah, of course. So, you know, that's kind of something I was thinking about was, you know, I'm sure that there's been powers that be have told them that, hey, you know, encryption does not need to be going out to the wild. It needs to stay within areas we understand and know. And that's it. So, yeah, I've looked into uh, hosting tour services before, but I just never got around to it.
0: Well, I would definitely not host an exit node, (laughs) no way, (laughs) unless you want to have the men in those suits knocking on your door very quickly, but let's move on then, and something that I don't understand, I just, I always talk about this, how I feel really out of touch, and I must have quoted Grandpa Simpson before, I was like, I used to be with it, and then they changed what it was, and now what's it? Is really scary to me. I saw you know. that episode the other day, by the way, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. the
1: one where Homer goes to Homer Palooza or something like that. All right. Yeah. Cause he yeah. has to be
0: cool, you know? So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it'll happen to you. And that's <laughs> how I feel about Twitch basically. And this whole idea of watching videos or live streaming of people playing computer games. I mean, I find computer games to be quite boring generally, unless it's kind of multiplayer, like sports games or, like shooting your friends in the same room or online, even, but I just don't get why anyone would sit there and watch videos of other people playing
1: and guess who's been doing that lately
0: so <laughs> so explain defend yourself defend, What's wrong with defend
1: you? myself it's because I'm cool and you're old that's what it is, Joe, so you're older than me <laughs> so <laughs> no what happened was was I, so I'd read about twitch in the past uh, and in the past, I mean like so many months ago, where Amazon bought it out and Uh, going with uh, my Raspberry Pi concept, when I pulled down Open Elect and I was just, you know, grabbing, you know, video add ons, I grabbed Twitch and I did not realize what it was I had grabbed until I started looking into it. And I'm like, oh, this is that video game hosting thing. So defending myself back in the day, I I love video games. Used to, I used to play them all the time. Now I don't because I just, I just beat them. They're just not fun anymore to me. I just destroy them. But, me and a buddy, I've always enjoyed all the Final Fantasy series games and the RPGs. I've always enjoyed games like that and the sports games are fun and any, I just enjoyed video games. I just don't have the time nowadays. I have a career, you know, and I need to get that going on. So, I would always, I can easily watch someone playing a video game and I guess they might go back to when I was a kid and arcades were still the hot thing and I'd watch like Mortal Kombat 2 had come out and I was watching people play it. And by the way, on Twitch, I love watching Mortal Kombat X because and this is my, my theory for why I don't mind watching Twitch. I enjoy games like StarCraft II, Mortal Kombat X, The Witcher, any of the Elder Scrolls, any of those games. But I don't have the time to get good at them anymore. But if you're going to be really good at them and let me watch you, then I'm I'm all for it. Because for one, I, I feel like watching TV in general, unless it's news, which even news is very questionable. I, I really just watch the weather and some sports and The Simpsons. But... If you're watching any of that stuff, I feel like it's a brain drain. And I have to be at least working or doing something on my computer where I kind of multitask. So it's cool to have the TV on, but I can't just sit there and stare at it. I feel like that's pointless. So Twitch has kind of also filled that void because there's nothing on TV anyway. It's not like I sit there and watch Twitch, like religiously, just sit there, you know, eating popcorn. You know, I'm just kind of like with anything else on TV, it's just kind of playing in the background. But... Okay, well now now that we, I have probably did not defend myself. Did you
0: watch? Have you watched any of it, Joe? Did you? I asked you to go watch any of it. Did you do do that? I watched a minute or two, and I was just what? like, "What am I doing with my life?" <laughs> You're like, "These guys are so nerdy." Let me get my Raspberry Pi. This is. <laughs> but anyway, what yeah. what did
1: what did you watch? Uh, Were well, you told me to watch Starcraft, and I did watched? You, Star you and- watched a little bit of Starcraft. What'd you think? not not the game not the game what we're about to talk about is the concept
0: of what is twitch like the the production value of what you saw the production value of the video i saw and that i just went to twitch and just tried to find the featured thing and just clicked on the first thing i found Mm -hmm. and it was rubbish it was just like a tiny thumbnail of some nerd playing the game and then the game uh, on the rest of the screen and i just didn't get it and i don't get it i'm afraid so some of the ones I have watched, you're totally right. There's, I don't see. That's the thing
1: is, I didn't really. Uh, I want to like almost create a account with Twitch to see how much they give you. You know how much the API you could tie in with, or how much they already preload for you. Because if you watch any of the games, normally there's the person in the cor- the corner, and they might have music playing, whatever. But they they're they, these are productive. My whole point getting at how amazed I am with Twitch, and I brought this up to some people at work. 'Cause they thought they thought the same thing. It was just literally a video screen and you watch the game. But when I showed a friend what was going on, he was saying the same thing I did, which is these are serious production values that they're putting together. Like, it's not just me with a video camera watching my TV and maybe another one watching me. These are like behind the scenes, there's got these guys have got buddies who are like running servers for these people. Cause they're hosting a chat room, which I'm sure Twitch hosts hosts a lot of this. But these people are constantly they're getting donations constantly. Every time someone follows them on Twitter or on the Twitch, I don't know how that really works besides Twitter, but anybody that follows them, they're giving shout-outs to them. They're giving directions on the game sometimes. It's just nonstop. I was amazed at what was going on. One guy in particular was doing donations for St. Jude's, which is helping uh, was helping uh, kids with cancer. He was doing donations for that. So when you were giving him money, it was he was doing it for St. Jude's. He'd raised like 10 grand up in like the past week and a half. And it's just, it, it was just crazy because I'm like, wow, they were, he's doing donations. He's not just like, oh, thanks for the extra money, which pays for my beef jerky and allows me to keep video gaming all day. Like he was actually had another goal in mind. But these kids are, and some of the kids I watched, you know, they looked to be about my age, which that's not kid at all. But some of the kids were legitimate kids. We'll say like 14, 12, 15. And they have serious productions going on to the degree of, in their life, this is, I don't see this being a bad thing if you're like, so you go up for a job interview that has IT-heavy concepts. So what have you been doing? Oh, well, well I run a Twitch website, and we, we host about four servers, and it's tied in with a Twitter API that me and my buddies have reprogrammed to do this, and I get the, the money donations through a PayPal that is hooked up. Pre- you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you're like, this kid's doing stuff. He's not, I mean, he might just be playing video games, but the level of difficulty and effort it takes to just get this going is more than I anticipated by far.
0: Yeah, but I'm still not at all convinced. I mean, why does anyone want to watch that content? I understand that the production values around it and that they are learning production skills, video production skills, whatever, because ultimately the feed from a game or uh, the feed from a camera is, no different really from a technical level and setting up IRC and all the donations and all that kind of stuff. I understand that. But the fact is the content is people playing computer games. How is that interesting to anybody?
1: That's a good point. I'm going to say this much is you could almost say the same thing for why anybody and their mom would want to listen to the Joe rest show. Cause it's just two guys talking about so random stuff that I could figure out my own. And I can almost say that for, you know, any podcast I listen to is like, why would you listen to that? Like, what's the point kind of attitude? But this is kind of carried on, went over to video games. So now I see what you're saying, which is now we're going beyond. We're not going to talk about the technical stuff of why why I think Twitch is cool. Now we're going to talk about why would I entertain myself watching Twitch? Yeah, I don't. And that goes back to what I said earlier. I don't mind people playing, watching people play video games. I've done it before in high school and college. I might have been stoned out my mind, but, or just drunk, but now it's, I don't mind it because there's nothing else on TV. I don't mind watching someone play a game that I feel like it's, like the Starcraft 2 games, I didn't mind watching that because I was like, oh, I, I enjoy Starcraft, I think it's cool, And you know, I played a little bit of Starcraft 2, and it's just cool to see someone actually play it. It's not like I'm giving these kids money, I just don't mind watching them play it, because in my mind, there's not much else on for me to watch besides turn off my TV, so in reality, of all the cable, all the cable channels I have, I watch well HBO for some good shows, sports, um, weather, Simpsons, maybe Adult Swim, which is you know all the cartoons that I like, and then that's really it in this whole scheme of like all the channels I get. So I don't mind Twitch doing that because I just don't have the time to play these games, but I want to, I want to play them, and I feel like I'm kind of playing it through them. I guess would be my
0: argument. So you're talking about playing games vicariously, which I, I don't get. I mean, if you got a game is to be played, not how can there be any enjoyment through watching other people do it? It just makes no sense to me. But well, I'll tell you what, my main problem with with watching people play computer games, I've got a mental scar from back in the day when we used to play games. Me and my friends, they had a couple of them had N64s. And we used mm-hmm. to play GoldenEye and F-Zero. X. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was good fun and multiplayer fun. And I've always grown up playing multiplayer games, be it football games or even American football, John Madden. I had um, an EA Sports double header for the Mega Drive, what you call the Genesis. And that was um, uh, EA Hockey. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. And John Madden on one cartridge. And you kind of, it was like a dual boot. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up playing multiplayer and like Sonic was really annoying because that was only one player Whereas Sonic two was cool. Cause you could have tails as well. And then the N64 came out and it had four controllers or at least ports. And so they, we would buy one each or whatever and we'd all play multiplayer games. But then Zelda came out and they would kind of each play it on their own at home. And then they'd get together and want to play it. And it'd just be like riding on this horse for hours <laughs> and like running around is like well hang on let's let's shoot each other in goldeneye or let's play a football game or something like why do you want to just play and so i just remember being so bored for hours and back in those days it was pre phones and tablets and laptops and stuff so i had nothing else to entertain me so i was just forced to you know and they were so engrossed that you couldn't even talk to them about anything else and uh, and you know in an English winter when it's cold and you don't you can't really even go outside or anything it was just terrible I remember my friend's mum would go away or whatever and when we were like 16 17 and he would just put all these mattresses and pillows all over the floor in his living room and we would just hang out there for days and uh you know drinking and whatnot and I just remember being so bored. And so I've got this mental scar against watching other people play games is the bottom line. I could never do it because I was so bored that one summer when they were playing, um, or winter or whatever it was when they were playing, um, Zelda. So there you go. That's why I don't like it. And I will never understand. And you will never convince me. (laughs) So when I started watching it, my girlfriend came in, it was just like, what are you watching? And I was like,
1: somebody's playing a video game. She's like, you're watching it. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's cool. She's like, "Do you know them?" No, I don't know them. I'm like, "Well, that's weird." I'm like, "Why is it weird?" I'm like, cuz they're playing a video game. I'm like, "What's it matter?" That's my take is I don't I don't mind some, as long as you play it good. I don't want to watch someone play a game and they're like hitting the wall, you know, and just walking up like I don't understand the controller. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch someone who's like a master
0: of the game destroy it, you know, and that's cool to me. So To be fair, I think they got a PlayStation something at one point or we got one and they were playing Tony Hawk and to see them like destroying that, doing just crazy tricks and stuff, that wasn't as bad as Zelda. So I can kind of see that. Like if you want to play a game and you're not that good, like, or or even if you haven't played it and to see people excelling at it, but again, five, 10 minutes, maybe not hours and hours of it.
1: I grew up like that where I didn't mind watching people play stuff. And then and that carried over into the military, you know, watches my, my buddy play grand theft auto in the room. You know, that's always fun to watch someone play grand theft auto. And then, uh, any of them, I don't care who you are. If you don't enjoy that, you're not a human. And, uh, then in Iraq, it was the same story. Someone had, like, San Andreas, and we just I could just watch that all day. Because the, the amount of stuff you could do, and that's another thing, too. Games back then, I can't watch someone play, like, Tecmo Mobile or John Madden Football from the Genesis all the time. That's just not fun. But the games nowadays are very in-depth, and you just try your best to, I mean, it's just the amount of stuff you could do. I'm always dumbfounded at it, you know, how far they could take it. The one guy I was telling you about was playing one game with the donations for the cancer stuff. He kept saving the game and if he realized he was at a point where it could have gone another way, he would save it and replay that point. And it was amazing because even he commented that he couldn't get all the combinations right, but he tried his best to. And he was giving us a chance to see each storyline play out. And that was really cool. Cause I always feel like playing some games back in the day I'd be like, Oh, I realized I could have gone a different route. It's too late now. So he was kind of doing that. So that's kinda I appreciate that. And that was kinda cool, I thought. Because games now are just Well, a good example. This is gonna sound super weird, but Elder Scrolls Oblivion came out uh, about five years ago, four years ago. And I love the Elder Scroll games. So I'm sitting there playing it. It's a massive... The memory on that game is ridiculous for what it will remember. My buddy comes up, and he's he doesn't care about the game, but he's like, you should try and break it. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean to do? He's like, because I already pretty much whooped the game. He's like, how about every person you kill, you take their pants? I'm like, all right, cool. Let's do it. So next thing you know... Because you can buy houses and things, I have like hundreds of pairs of pants filling up these houses, and you could literally go all over the world and you'd find like towns just full of dead people without pants on, and it just the game remembered all that. And then if you saw anyone who had their pants on, obviously I didn't (laughs) was I didn't kill them, you know. It only took the people who I killed pants, and you know it's just that attitude of trying to break a game because I understand what goes into the coding behind the scenes, and I'm always curious as how far I could push the game. see what it can actually do so i think it's cool because games nowadays are just
0: way over in depth now fair enough well i'm not convinced i'm afraid (laughs) i almost want to talk
1: to someone like who likes (laughs) my game like jesse i'd almost want to see if he has checked this out because some of my gaming buddies do watch it quite a bit so and i don't game but i don't mind watching it so i'm just kind of curious on like a gamer's perspective what they think
0: Okay. Oh, Jesse was supposed to come on. He wasn't available last time. He was, I don't know, probably on Grinder or something. So, um, <laughs> uh, we'll have to uh, see if he's available for the next one. I forgot to email him. But I'm seeing him um, Saturday. So I'll ask him if he's, if he's up for it. And if he's ever. Ask been on him. Be like, hey, Isaac wants to know if you watch Twitch. You know, yeah. and if, he'll probably be like, Twitch is cool. I don't mind it, you know. So. I doubt it somehow, but you never know. Anyway, right. Moving on then. You posted a link to an article about e-waste and it's not something that a lot of people think about or even want to think about and that is that we have all these electronics and sp- specifically with phones really for me I'm changing my phone seemingly every year and you know before long the, we're just going to run out of the resources to make them and we're just going to have these huge piles of just unused phones tablets laptops and like now with internet of things it just, it's endless, isn't it? The
1: internet of things, I i don't have anything that's has anything to do with the internet of things. I personally don't want to go down that road. i do not not worried about it. I don't care if my refrigerator knows this or that. It just does not need to know this. But I didn't think about the, so we'll get away from that though. But back to the e-waste, I didn't realize until you th- you think about it that it's almost like your car. The more online, or the more, I guess online is what we'll say it is, the more online my car becomes, the more the person working on it is going to, Take a heck of a degree to fix it. And it's natural for us, especially to throw away these electronics. And, uh, that's what the, I think the article is trying to bring that to attention, which is eventually, say, your fridge is like part of the internet of things. And if it, if this sort, if it s- sorts out due to like the electronics, like say the wireless card sorts out, you're more apt to just be like, we'll throw it away. I'm afraid we'll be coming the way we treat phones and electronics will become the way we treat appliances due to that. But I don't know about you. Me personally, I have accumulated a ton. I would say, e- I guess, e waste. Because when I first got out of the military and got into computers heavily, or started getting more into computers, I tried to do a little fix it, computer fix it shop. And I had a back bedroom that was full of nothing but just computer parts everywhere that people would give me and they just didn't know anything to do with. So eventually I would just go to the dump and just toss them. And then anytime I've moved, I've always, especially these, I had about three or four monitors that were huge. And I tried to throw them in a dump. Some guy caught me and got mad and demanded I take them to a recycling center. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And so I take them to the recycling area that he points me to. And it's just like acres of computer monitors are there. I'm like, are you serious? Like, what are they? They're all just sitting outside. And like, what are we doing with this stuff? And that's, that carries over to, what I'm trying to do here lately, which is accumulate more laptops and put Linux on them to give to people who can't afford them because we treat them like garbage. Because, okay, right now, and I'll let you do the same thing, Joe. Right now in my apartment, I have, um not going to count my work laptop. That doesn't count. But I have a personal laptop. I have another MacBook somebody at work gave me. It's about 10 years old that I've been goofing around with. I have a desktop computer. I have the Raspberry Pi now. I have my phone. I have my girlfriend's phone, which we're gonna count phones because they're up there. I have my e-reader, and I have another Kindle that's just kind of sitting to the side because it doesn't do as much as my e-reader does now. And then my girlfriend, I bought her a tablet last year for like fifty bucks. So that's that's nine items I can think of off the top of my head. Oh, and I have another. Now I forgot. I have another laptop that needs its monitor replaced. So that's ten items I I alone
0: own in this home in this apartment. Sounds like a lot until you hear mine. I was going to say until you read off yours. Okay. So I've got the main desktop computer that we both use, uh, my wife's laptop, my main laptop, my second main laptop, my main test laptop, my Chromebook, my Mac, which I don't like to talk too much about, which is very old and doesn't run the latest version. It's just for testing. Um, Two Raspberry Pis. Uh, <laughs> two of them? <laughs> yeah, the original one and the latest one.
1: I, I'm, not, I'm only laughing because I'm already trying not to buy any more of those. and it's, They're too easy to get my hands on. Okay, so yeah. up to
0: nine. You got two pies. What else? Uh, I've got my Nexus 7. Okay. And so old phones wise. Yeah, you got to go through your old phones. I don't have any more of my old phones. Uh, they're all gone now. So I can't count them because they're not in my house. I've got my OnePlus One, which is my main phone. I've got uh, my wife's phone. I've got a Nexus 4 for that I should have sold by now and haven't. Um, I've got a Sony phone that I used to have. I've got a really old, half-broken iPhone. I've got... Oh, my wife's old Sony phone as well. Here's
1: uh, something we didn't talk about. I... Have two routers sitting in my closet. I saw the other day, they're just hanging out. I forgot all about those guys. So, I'm like, I don't even know about how many switches and hubs and routers I've accumulated to over the years.
0: Oh, yeah, I've got all sorts of that stuff as well. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) uh, I've lost count, is the bottom line. Just too much stuff. And uh, eventually, all that stuff is going to end up in landfill or it's going to be sent to India to be recycled or China to be recycled. In other words, people get subsidies for taking that stuff, and then they'll just burn it, basically, or bury yeah. it. So, yeah, it is a terrible problem, but it feels like one of those problems, like climate change, that's kind of doesn't really affect me, because I don't <laughs> have any kids, I'm not going to have any kids. Friggin'
1: one percenter, 1% problems here.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't have kids, I'm not going to have kids, and by the time I'm dead, the the problems will be starting to be serious, but then, you know, who cares? I'm dead.
1: Who cares? They're not my kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's everyone else's kids. I don't care. Why should I? That's why one of the main reasons that I chose not to breed and why I think it's not a good idea to do that and why I look around and see all the people that I went to school with and stuff, getting married, settling down, okay, that makes sense, and then starting to have kids. And I'm thinking to myself, look around this world and you're going to bring kids into it. What is wrong with you? But that is a very that's big, a whole other topic. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll try. I'm, I'm staring at the weeds, and
0: I'm like, oh, I'm gonna come back from that one. But yeah, the, suffice to say, we ought to think about this stuff—electronic waste. But no one does, and no one cares. So it's a, a problem that people are going to care when we run out of the, the minerals and stuff, or rather, it becomes more expensive to mine those minerals that we need than it is to dig up. The landfill of all these old electronics and try and extract them, you know, the, the minerals that we need and reuse components and stuff. Because, I mean, it, it planned obsolescence and whatever it means that a phone that is good now, my OnePlus One is a decent phone now, but in 10 years, it's going to be a piece of junk, even though it in theory could still be working.
1: 10 years. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the thing. You're totally right here because. I brought I brought the article because I just wanted, you know, both of us just to kind of say out loud how much we we accumulate and how much we currently have on hand. And you know, Even when I was doing the computer fix-it stuff, I didn't know what to do with all my stuff. I was trying to make, you know, I had fun soldering like a madman trying to build some insane old Frankenstein computer. But besides that, I didn't know what to do with most of it. Most of it was just old and I felt bad just throwing in the dump because I, I just didn't know what else to to do with it. It was just, I don't I don't know. It was... I mean, I agree with you. I don't understand what to do about this problem. I know I'm part of the problem. I just wish I could help out more. And besides refurbishing old laptops, and there's only so far you can go with that. I mean, that Mac I mentioned, that's a good 10 years old. And trying to put Linux on that, oh my God, it is a fight out of this world because of how old it is and how much Mac refuses to accept anything beyond their OS
0: stuff. Really? And I mean, I've got a fairly old Mac, and it's very easy to put Linux on it.
1: The problem I'm having currently with the Mac and Linux is I guess I need a USB that's formatted with Mac software. I mean, when I say that, I mean, it's like a, a Mac USB formatter instead of like a USB image writer that sits like a mitt to put the image on it. Because right now, anytime I try to boot up the Mac into any USB or anything with that has a, an image on it, it refuses to see it. I don't know why that is, so... I mean, if you want to send me some emails or any of our listeners know what's up, please let me know, because I'd like to reuse it or give it to someone who can use it.
0: Okay. Well, I shouldn't admit to knowing about this stuff, but I do. So how old is it? It's, you say it's 10 years. Does that mean it's PowerPC or is it Intel?
1: I don't know. I have to check on that one. It's got a, I'm trying to think what a OS has got on there. It's like a 10, 10 5, 8, maybe. Is that right? It's 5, It does not have 8.
0: Mavericks, which is 12, I think. No, so the the latest one is ten point ten, but if uh, around ten five, that sounds like it was probably power PC. So what you need to do is there's no way that's going to boot from USB. Basically, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. It might in theory be possible, but it's going to be too hard. What okay. you need to do is boot from a CD or DVD. Um, okay, that's
1: someone was saying that online. They're like, is it ten six or later? Because like, if not, you're going to have a, there's a few problems you're running into.
0: Yeah. And so your best bet is to try maybe Debian. I don't know. Actually, Ubuntu Mate has a power PC version. So that's what you need to do is you need to get the power PC version of Ubuntu Mate, burn it onto a disc and then boot from that. Okay. And then, then it should be plain sailing. Cool. Sweet. Appreciate it. I, I knew you knew way more about Macs and app, you know,
1: and Microsoft than you let on. So,
0: uh, well, you know, you have to know about everything if you want to, uh, Hate it. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a good just, point. Yeah, you can't just ignorantly say, "Oh, I don't like Apple stuff; it's overpriced and whatever." And you have to try and get your hands on it. And I am a huge tech hoarder. I'm a huge hoarder of everything, really. And I know you. You talked about the pain of throwing stuff away, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that. I cannot stand throwing anything away, so I see what you uh, what you mean there. And it was very painful for me to throw away the first laptop I ever bought. Because it was kind of almost worked if you kind of hit it and stuff, but it was just time. And I gave away actually two laptops one to Paddy and one to Jesse. I suppose I could have put Linux on them and uh, donated them somewhere, but. You know. Yeah, you know
1: what's funny is, is uh, because I'm trying to get my hand on old laptops. You know how many times I have friends or anyone who's like, I have "This, yeah, I've got an old laptop. I don't know what I'm doing with this. It's been sitting here for like 20 years." And I'm like, "Oh, cool, can I have it? Here's a case of beer or something." And they're like, "Oh, well, you know, uh, maybe." Um, uh, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, just forget it." Everyone, I
0: swear to God, everyone does that. Yeah, no one really wants to chuck anything away. That's it's for evolutionary reasons. You want to hoard as many resources as you can to. So, you can survive, and it's just backfired. That's why we end up fat and stupid and surrounded by junk.
1: That's a horrible, depressing note
0: to leave this article on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just, just kidding. Speaking of horrible and depressing, well, not really. Let's go to the
1: feedback. That's what you was going to say.
0: <laughs> well, I've got a couple of recap stories quickly to touch on. Uh, we talked about Groove Shark, and I was, I'd found grooveshark.li. Well, that is now dead.
1: What about uh, Desert? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Yeah, I looked into that. Uh, Someone told me that was pretty good, but you have to sign up for it, so I'm just not interested in that. Yeah, I I saw
1: that, and I was like, "What?" And I saw some website where I went to their thing, and they were like, "It's not available in America. Uh, You know, it's coming to your world soon." I was like, "Okay, cool, whatever." You know, now that Apple the other day announced a new streaming service, I was like, "Thank you, more music than I could ever want or care about."
0: So yeah, I just want something like GrooveShot that was so easy I could just no login or anything it worked on all devices it was brilliant but oh well if anyone i always say this i've been saying it for three episodes now if someone knows of something like Groove shark that is as good as that or if there's a mirror of it somewhere if there's a domain let me know because at the moment i haven't looked very hard to be honest but it's pretty much youtube is the only place to do that now to find music Uh, so yeah, do let me know Joe rest podcast at gmail.com and just a quick mention of a couple of links that you put in about sort of geopolitics and remote islands and stuff.
1: Yeah. Ever since we talked about that whole China Island building up thing in the, in the South China sea, I believe that's where it is. That has become a more, a more hotter topic day by day. And along with that, is I believe Vietnam's trying to do this. There's other countries who are doing this, and someone had a good article I read somewhere that was like, this is occurring in other places. We just, as as being America, we choose not to look that direction until it's China. But he also had a good point, which was China's doing it on a much grander, faster scale than any of the other countries could ever want to. So I think it's the amount of speed that China has thrown together this that's kind of like scared America a little bit, and then... So, yeah, I just want to bring up the fact that since we've talked about it, this seems to become like it's a bigger deal. And then I noticed the other day that it looks like Russia is trying to secure some islands around an area where them and Japan are kind of hotly argumentative about who owns what there. So
0: Yeah, well, I'll stick some links to those two stories in the show notes. Uh, So let's do a bit of feedback then. So something I forgot to mention on the last show was that I'd had some communication with a couple of guys from the Admin Admin podcast and they wrote to me asking for some audio advice and we had a bit of a back and forth. So I hope that helped, guys. Hope you're still listening. And Ronald Hook on Twitter said, I would think having a lifespan of 10,000 years would greatly increase one's chance of a violent death. And that's not something that we talked about or even considered when we you kind of posed that question. If you live for ten thousand years, the chances of well getting shot or you know a car crash or whatever it just would go up to the point where that would probably be likely.
1: Okay, you know, I guess that's a good point. I think about it. You know, I didn't didn't really think about that part of it. I, it depends, I guess, on what you're up to. <laughs> if I spend the next ten thousand years watching Twitch, you know, I probably <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I probably be okay. But uh, I, yeah, yeah, that's a good point guess after at some point, it's just inevitable that you're going to, I mean, you're going to die, you know, I guess it's just, it's going to be nonviolent or violent. So mm. guess that's, I guess that's just no matter what, it's going to happen, but that's a really good point. Also, this is what got me uh, going on Twitter. When I saw that, you know, you know, there was some feedback on Twitter. I was like, you know what? I'll sign up. Why not?
0: Uh Well, well done, Ronald. You got him back on Twitter. Woo-hoo! Good job, Ronald. My life, a little part of me died. <laughs> so, Lee wrote a couple of characteristically long emails. Lee always sends really long, numbered uh, emails, which is good to get. um So, I'll just pick out a couple of points that he uh, brought up there. And it is a he, despite Isaac thinking it was a she. I, I, well, I, I, don't, I didn't know it was pronounced
1: Lee. I thought it was Leah. And I never met a um, guy named Leah.
0: So, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apologize. Right. My fault. Okay, so anyway, he said, I agree with your comment on drones. The general public mostly perceive them as cute and fluffy chaps, not cruise missile-sized craft packing state-of-the-art navigation, communication, and possibly ordnance. Ultimately, the only thing I see limiting their use is the need to deploy them relatively near to their targets. It's no use making a drone which can stay aloft for two days if it takes them one day to fly from the U.S. to, say, the Middle East. That's a...
1: It's a pretty good point. Building on this idea here, it's funny. The other day in California, somebody was flying a, like one of those quadcopters down their street, kind of giving a little uh, tutorial on how to operate one if you were to buy one. <laughs> and some guy out of nowhere, who's definitely—I don't know if he lives there, but he's definitely not like one of their friends. He comes "I know." He, he just swats it down and breaks it. <laughs> <laughs> and they were demanding now that he pay for it. That's a good life. I think twelve hundred or plus dollars. I mean, he's a pretty big guy that breaks it, you know, and they're just mad at him, but he's, they're definitely not going to touch him, but it's kind of funny. I I saw that start laughing. I'll put a, I'll send a link to you, Joe, so you can post that somewhere.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I saw, um, on Hollywood Babylon this week, they were talking about Enrique Iglesias who uh, at his concerts. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Did you see that? He has got drones. Well, quadcopters flying around filming it and he grabbed one and Somehow put his hand into the the propeller and then he was like all bleeding all over himself and stuff. That was quite funny. <laughs> uh anyway, right. Uh so yeah, Lee also said, by the way, full marks to Isaac for reading the main party manifestos. It's more than I did. And that was referring to the general election stuff where you actually looked at all the manifestos and read them. I don't think anyone did that. Apart from uh, you. So, well done. <laughs> well, you know, my, my take on that was was. It's one thing for me to, like,
1: not give a crap about America's government or not pay attention to it because I'm an American. You know, it's one of my rights, I guess. But anyway, as far as the uh, PM election was concerned, I felt it was my duty to, like, at least try to better myself and learn a little bit about what goes into that. And I just thought the manifestos were actually cool. That sounds nerdy, but I just never seen it where, you know, you could actually pull up a document that's like, you guys didn't do this like you said you would. In America, we just kind of forget or we're so used to it now that we know they're going to go back on their word. So I just thought it was kind of cool they did that. And I just, I felt it was my obligation, you know, it was a better way to word that, to learn
0: that. So appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. So the next thing that Lee talked about was a tinfoil hat would not act like an aerial in any meaningful way for several reasons. What it would act like is a Faraday cage. This is what makes getting mobile signal in a lift next to impossible. That's an elevator for you, Isaac.
1: What's an aerial?
0: An aerial. What? How can you not know what an aerial is? Well,
1: not like an like an aerial in any meaningful way. Am I am I stupid? An antenna. Oh, that's. I never heard that. I've never heard an antenna called an aerial. Really? Really? I'm not kidding. I, when I hear aerial, I think of like well, there's that System of a Down song, but yeah. then uh, yeah, that's it's funny. You you immediately went to that too. Um, I just think of anything like in the sky. I guess it makes sense. The antenna is called that, but I've never heard it called anything other than an antenna.
0: Right, let me start this again then. Now you know what these words mean. <laughs> a tinfoil Let's start hat, over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A tinfoil hat would not act like an aerial in any meaningful way for several reasons. What it would act like is a Faraday cage. This is what makes getting mobile signal in a lift next to impossible, as they are very close to the ideal requirements of a Faraday cage. This cage prevents electromagnetic waves, which includes brain waves, passing in or out of the cage. There is no GCHQ disinformation plot. It really would stop the emission of brainwaves, but why bother when they convey so little information? Wrapping a mobile phone in any possibly conductive foil will also result in a decent Faraday cage around the phone, resulting in absolutely no calls from the mother-in-law. Well, one point before I get into the, the Faraday cage thing is, how do you know whether they have information in the brainwaves? Maybe, maybe GCHQ and the powers that be and the reptilians or whatever Actually, know how to decrypt them and know what you're thinking. Who knows? Anyway, being a bit silly there. <laughs> so, a good point though, yeah. We both tried this out, didn't we? Did you try it out? I, yeah. What, I tried what? it out today, actually. How'd to it go? Well, it was very interesting indeed. I tried it out with my wife's phone, which is a Nexus 4. Mm-hmm. And I also tried it out with my home phone, which is like a binotone wireless phone. And sure enough, it works. You wrap it in foil. And it can't receive calls anymore. It just goes dead. So it, it really is amazing. I you know, I put my phone on the table, or I put the, the phone in question on the table, phoned it, it rang, wrapped it in foil, phoned it again, didn't ring. I thought, let me try phoning it, and then quickly while it's ringing, wrap it up in foil, and sure enough, the signal died pretty pretty quickly. How much foil did you use? I don't know, maybe... Mm-hmm.
1: what was the shape of the was the phone like like a football or soccer ball you know no,
0: I, I didn't like wrap it loads i mean i wrapped it uh say i took about a foot 30 centimeters of foil by about i don't know mostly mostly a foot whatever and just kind of wrapped it in that so not, i wasn't using yards and yards and yards of it to you know making a huge football mm-hmm. out of it it was just wrapping it up
1: so for the listeners probably don't realize this, but me and Joe emailed each other about what we were going to do about this and then I tried it you know first. Joe, what did you think after I told you the results? you know were you think you know what was your mind mindset on
0: that? Didn't you say something like the signal just kind of dropped a little bit until you when you put it in just a bit of foil, but then when you wrapped it hardcore, that's when it stopped working.
1: Yeah, so when I wrapped it the first time, I didn't really wrap it a lot. I, I barely just wrapped it and had a, a buddy of mine call me, and it came through just fine. So then the second time, I, I really wrapped it and had a, you know the buddy call me again. And sure enough, it didn't go through. But when I unwrapped the phone, now, I don't know how this is with, you know, where you live. But here, when I unwrapped the phone... I noticed that my phone had no signal on it. And then slowly, because I only have 3G still on my phone. It went from like 1G to 3G. It was like it was picking the signal back up.
0: And yeah, yeah, I saw that as well, yeah.
1: I called my buddy to see what had happened. You know, like, what? well, did it go right to voicemail? Because that's when you know someone's turned their phone off. And uh, he told me no. He said it rang just like normal. He's like, you didn't hear it ring? And I was like, no, not at all. And then he was surprised at that too. So so it didn't,
0: it didn't go straight to
1: voicemail, which is the for sure sign of someone's turned their phone off.
0: Okay, well, when I phoned it and then started wrapping it in foil, it was ringing, and this was weird. It, it was ringing and ringing, and then uh, the, the phone that I was calling it from, I could hear the, the, the ring, 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 um, and then it just kind of did that weird <whistles> noise. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, the the phone in, that was ringing continued to ring. Huh.
1: You know, like, you know what I would like to... Uh check out here is and I don't know how we ever get this information is how that pinged off the towers you know because in essence I would like to see if that like registered me being near a tower or how that looks because that's how they always find criminals you know they're like oh you you look like your phone received a call here and it pinged off this tower I'm kind of curious on how that played out as far as the network you know is concerned I
0: don't know how that would look, actually. Probably quite complicated. Now that any
1: future murderers have listened to the Joe Rest
0: show. we have. <laughs> yeah. but So there you go. Tinfoil really does seem to act like a Far- Faraday cage. So there you go. Uh, so the last thing that Lee talked about was, he said, I saw Ex Machina and was suitably impressed. You had me rolling in the R's with some of your robot ideas. Thanks for that. One thing that struck me was that it was the only film I could think of in which the robot was not physically dominant over its creator. The creator knocked a chunk off her arm and wrestled her to the floor. Very unusual. I love the dancing too, by the way.
1: <laughs> if that movie does not win an Oscar for best choreographed
0: scene, I just I just give up on life. <laughs> Uh, My friend said that uh, she listened to the show and she said that we didn't mention the actors who were in it, whether they had good performances. She said it was a terrible review. And I said, it wasn't a review. It was just two blokes chatting about a film that they saw.
1: We we don't. uh, Yeah, we we care. We're nerds. We cared about the AI aspect of it. The point of the movie, not if so-and-so portrayed a great,
0: uh, gullible kid, you know. So it's funny. She had that kind of review. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have been talking about it if it wasn't a good film. I gave it uh, two, two thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so this is an email that came in between the, the last show and this one, but this was referring to stuff that was before your time, Isaac. So bear with me here. Steve Engledow said, Just been catching up on podcasts as I've got a week off, and I'm listening to episode six right now, and had to email in to say, Bloody well done. I'm sure Donald is a nice guy, but he comes across as a stereotypical UKIP voting, ignorant British bloke, and I'm really enjoying listening to you putting him in his place. Damn straight, Britain is great because everyone comes here. You know
1: what's funny is, is uh, after reading those manifestos and watching that whole election play out, I, you know, I understand the UKIP mindset, because it's like our tea party here in America, and I can I, I can almost say Donald probably vote is a great guy, but... Yeah, I could see him being a UKIP fan.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Okay, well, so if you want to get in touch, you can leave a comment on the website or joe rest podcast at gmail.com. And anything I get, I'll make sure Isaac sees as well.
1: Yep, at stupid coder. Woohoo!
0: Yeah, I'll link to that as well. Check him out on Twitter. So who knows when we'll be back, maybe in a couple of weeks. Who knows? But I suppose until then, see you later.
1: See ya.